you guys. So, uh, you're probably wondering why I'm dressed like this. You'll see in a minute. <laughs> so, I wanted to, I, when um, Pastor mentioned this uh, a couple weeks ago, I, I thought about something. I wanted to, uh, a scripture verse came to mind, and it said, for us to know those who work among us, right? And I felt it was important for you guys to know who I am, my calling, and, and those sorts of things. So, I wanted to take that opportunity, and I asked Pastor, and he graciously uh, gave me this opportunity. I thank you for that. I, I want to start by saying thank each and every one of you guys for for supporting uh, my ministry and, and and supporting what we're doing here. And, and I really appreciate it. And I'm going to tell you, our praise and worship team that I get to work with is one of the best I've ever worked with in my entire life. You know, it's said, um, and I told them in this in the back, so it's not a shock. It's said in the music ministry that uh, when Satan was kicked out of heaven, he fell into the fire, choir loft. And so that is not the case here. I'm going to tell you something. These are precious, wonderful people that I've just been privileged uh, to work with, and they're, they're amazing. And I, I applaud you guys, and I thank you guys for your support and what you've done and, and supporting the ministry. But uh, I wanted to start off. I was born at an early age. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, no, I was actually, something that most of you may not know, kind of, uh, is that I was born actually in Germany. My parents were, uh, my dad was in the military and uh, moved around, and they, they were happy to be stationed in Germany, and that's where I was born. And uh, lived there until I was about two and a half, three, I think right around that, somewhere in that ballpark. So, um, and uh, at that time, my parents actually got saved during that uh, period of time. And, uh, but around that time, around 16 months, when I was about 16 months old, I got really sick. And my parents took me into the hospital, um, and the doctor on duty looked at me. And this, not, I don't know if there's any military doctors in here, but uh, there's <laughs> anyway, we won't go there. Uh, but the doctor looked at me and said, oh, it's just a flu. Sent him Gave my mom some medicine and sent me back home. I didn't get any better. Got worse. Began to strain and stuff like that. A day or two later, my parents brought me back into the hospital. And it was a different doctor at that time. He took a one look at me and said, No, this, this baby's sick. And they uh, medevaced me to Wiesbaden, which at the time was the largest uh, military hospital in Europe. And so they uh, uh, medevaced me over there. And by the time my parents got there, Doctors came out to him and they said, listen, uh, we think we know what's wrong. We've done a, a spinal tap and uh, your son's got uh, spinal meningitis. And because this was diagnosed so late, it's, it's advanced pretty bad. And uh, we're giving him about 10% chance to make it through the night. If he lives, he'll be deaf, he'll be blind, he'll have some other developmental issues. My parents began to pray. They reached out to my uncle, who was a Church of God minister at the time, and began to pray and fast. It wasn't an immediate miracle. I made it through that night. I made it the next night. My, my recovery was very slow, very slow. But thank God I'm here today. Amen. 
Now, as far as the deaf and blind part, my wife might argue that may still be true on occasion, so uh, you'll have to ask her about that. So, <laughs> But uh, later on, we moved back to the States and went to church and stuff. And um, I grew up in church, and I wanted to get saved. I wanted to get saved, but uh, at the time, and it was kind of a long story, but... Uh, I'll shorten it by saying, at the time, I knew about what they called the age of accountability. And for those that know what I'm talking about, that's when you know the right from wrong. And some minister had said that that magically happens at age seven, right? So on my seventh birthday, which was not on Sunday, because the second thing I believed is that you couldn't get saved at home. You had to wait until you got to church. So I got... My birthday, I think, was like a Thursday or Friday. So I lived in sin, and I was scared. The scariest part of my whole life was waiting. When I turned to age of accountability all the way up to that Sunday when I could go down to the altar and give my heart to God <laughs> at age seven. So scariest parts of my life, you know, I, uh, you know big turnaround. But uh, anyway, but I gave my heart to God at a children's church in um, Crossroads Cathedral. It's a, it's a church in Oklahoma City. And um, God has just guided our path since then. And uh, uh, later on, my parents did uh, children's ministry, and we got to travel and do all types of things, and it was amazing. And, and uh, I got to start learning how to lead worship. And we, at the time, this is early 80s, early 80s, mind you, um, there's this little instrument called an omnichord, and that's actually how I learned music. And I started leading worship for uh, um, for uh, our children's ministry using this omnichord. Then later on, um, when I turned 13, we were going to a really large youth, uh, church at the time, and uh, our youth group was about 250-ish. Okay, that was a youth group. And not a single piano player in the whole place. So at age 13, I'm standing, sitting up there in front of 200-something kids trying to lead worship with this Omnicore thing. And this poor girl that was trying to sing with me, and I felt so bad for her. <laughs> so, so. But we got through it, amen? <laughs> I'm sure that's what the choir feels every Sunday. <laughs> you know, I feel bad for them, too. So um, Later on, of course, I, um, I got called into the ministry at a youth camp in, at age 13. I can still remember the message the, the minister preached on the high calling of God, and, and God just spoke to me, and every word that he said just pierced my heart, and I just knew that God had called me to ministry and that I had a place. And shortly after that, um, we were at a, a friend's house in Oklahoma, and they had a, uh, a ranch, and oh, it's a long story, but anyway, they had, we were having a barbecue, and they had a piano in an upstairs room. And I walked up to that piano, and I sat down to it, and I started playing chords. Up to that point, I'd always played Mary Had a Little Lamb and, you know, chopsticks and everything else that all the other kids do. But then I started sitting down and I started playing chords. I had never done that in my life. Didn't even know what I was doing. Just started playing. So I believe that God had gifted me with that. It's definitely His His gift. And, and I, I do my best to use it for His glory. Amen? And so, but it was my job and I, I really read the, the parable of the talents and they, I believe that it was my responsibility to take that and develop that. And I began to study and, and stuff and went to college for it and so on and so forth. But uh, before that time, 
around the same age, around 13, we had moved. My dad went back into the military, and we had moved. And I went from a Christian school to um, a school that was kind of rough, I'm just going to say. And there were some kids, and I, I walked in the first day, and I've got dress shirt, tie, and slacks on. You can imagine how that went for me for the rest of the year. And I started, and the kids started picking on me. I mean, I was less than 100 pounds soaking wet, okay? I was a little tall for my age, but scrawny. I mean, really scrawny. Not much. (laughs) But the thing is, is um, I began to get picked on. They began to bully me. I wound up in emergency rooms and and such. And every time that they fight me in that school, I'd I'd pull back, and I wouldn't fight back thinking that, well, if I don't fight back, then then I won't get in trouble. And they'd still suspend me. Because the principal, as he explained to my parents, said it takes two to fight. The victim and the... No. <laughs> so, finally, about after the fourth or fifth time of suspension, my parents said, well, if you're going to get suspended, you might as well earn it. And they put me in martial arts. Okay? And so I began to learn how to fight and fight back. And when I was uh, looking for... Um, a school, I walked into Master Wan's academy and I sat down with him and he was a professional fighter actually in Korea. He comes to the States to teach martial arts and he was a seventh degree when I started with him. And uh, um, when I sat down at his desk, he had a Bible over there. And, uh, you know, a lot of you know uh, with martial arts, there's uh, a, a group that gets into all the meditation, the Eastern religion, all that type of stuff. Master Wan never did that. There was no, never a uh, he was a very kind man and, and gentle, very gentle man. Wouldn't want to fight him in an alley, but a very gentle man. <laughs> but uh, when it started, it was a case of survival at the time. And uh, when I did my first chance to spar, I was going up against black belt, and I'm a white belt. And I'm, I know I've got to learn how to fight, so I'm going to give it everything i got. And I swung up my kick, and I kicked the kid in the, uh, the young man in the wrong place. Okay, I'll just leave it at that. And uh, he's, he's over in pain, and Black Belt comes up to me. He says, son, uh, you got to kick him above the belt. you got to kick up here. That's where we got to talk about. Okay, sir, I got, I got And I kick again at the same spot. Yeah. So Black Belt comes up to me. He said, son, if you can't kick higher than his belt, I'm going to ask you to sit down. Immediate what, what went through my head was, I've got to learn how to fight because I've got to learn how to defend myself or otherwise I'm going to get hurt. So I'm going to give this everything i got. I swing with everything I had, and I kick the kid right upside the head. He said, great, do that again. I did it again. He looked down. I stuck my big toe in his mouth and busted a tooth. Seriously. I put my foot down. They're checking out his mouth. He's got blood all over. And then I feel something cold. I look down, and I cut my toe on his tooth from here to here, clean, open, see everything inside type stuff. Yeah. So then the pain came. Okay. <laughs> so, hello, okay, can you help me? You know, type thing. So um, that stitches my very first time, but that didn't stop me. Once that healed up, I was right back in. And after I learned enough, and there was more things, and it's a long story, and, and I'll just cut it short by saying, God protected me through that and, and put some things in place and, and finally allowed me to transfer from one school to another. My grades went from E's and F's to A's and B's in one semester. 
just because, you know, when you're in a place where you, you are scared and getting beat up and stuff like that, um, you, uh, you're not thinking about one plus one, maybe two plus two by then. Um, <laughs> you know, you're not thinking about those things. You're thinking about what's going to happen to you right after school. Right? So my grades went up and uh, never, uh, with one exception, got in another fight at school. Um, then, when I didn't have to do it for survival, I decided to do it for sport. This was fun. I enjoyed it. And so I started competing and, and went up. And, and my first goal was to make yellow belt. And then it was blue belt because blue belt got nunchucks and they could do that. And then, and notice what I didn't say. I didn't say anything about black there. I didn't think at the time black was even possible. As I got closer and closer, it became a little bit closer, and I could start to see it and work towards it. And uh, just so you know, I uh, um, just before I turned black belt, I actually competed in a tournament, a qualifying tournament, and qualified for nationals on both the forms and sparring. So my sparring partner was a black belt at the time, and she actually went to uh, Junior Olympics. That's the level of uh, training that we received. So it was, it was a lot of fun. But a lot of work, a lot of pain. I, um, before I tested for black belt, I actually had surgery on both knees. But kept going because I was doing everything I could to tear up my knees. I mean, martial arts, track, and weightlifting, and all that type of stuff. So anything I could do to tear them up. But I want to say that God brought me through that because not only did I have that, but then I had a really good church and a really good youth pastor that cared for me love me and that would pray for me and give me friends in the, in the youth. Let me tell you something. Wednesday night saved my life because I had something to look forward to every week. When things were tough on Monday, when kids were picking on me, I knew Wednesday was on the way and I could put my target right on that and I could make it to that. So you say, well, what does that have to do with us here? Well, there were some things that I learned through martial arts that I believe was very applicable. And, and I don't know if you've noticed it today, but God's got a message. God's got a message for some of you. I've heard up on this stage this morning the word breakthrough. I can't tell you how many times. And if you don't mind bringing up the title of my sermon, breakthrough. God's got a message for somebody. I want to show you kind of some of the things that uh, I learned from martial arts because I believe some of the things that I use, some of the techniques that I use can be applied in your life to help you get exactly that. Whatever, whatever obstacle you're facing, God can help you get breakthrough in your life. Amen? So I've, um, when I was a, 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 a music minister, at the church where uh, I met Rhonda, I had worked for uh, the same pastor as a youth pastor. Uh, you know, by that, as soon as I graduated from college, did my internship with him, and uh, he moved to New Mexico, and they called me up and said, hey, Rob, I need your help, and he brought me out, and that's actually how I met Rhonda. He introduced me on our, uh, when he picked me up from the airport. He said, hey, I've got to go get my haircut, and there's this girl I want you to meet. The rest is history. So <laughs> that's kind of how it went. So anyway... One thing that I will tell you about associate pastors, whether it's youth or music, I have found that you're expendable. <laughs> what I mean by that is, um, it's kind of joking, but uh, the pastor, it was around Christmas time, 
and Pastor Juan likes of them the church. And this is a church in New Mexico, and the rules are very, very steep. And he wasn't going to get up there. He handed me and the youth pastor the lights and said, you guys go hang them. And so I'm up there uh, laying down on my stomach over the edge of this uh, roof that's steeper than this one, and the youth pastor's holding me back a little bit further by my legs, trying to keep me from falling off the edge. Okay, That's what I mean by expendable. So, <laughs> so anyway, so I've asked Pastor Billy to help me out, and uh, our other pastor, Pastor Barry, our youth pastor, come on up. <laughs> so I won't say I love you guys. <laughs> I want to get that in now. I love you guys, okay? <laughs>
So I'll give them a break. Thanks. Give them a hand, guys. Thank you. I just want to let you guys know I can do that. So, like I said before, you're trying to figure out what does that have to do with the Christian life. Well, there's some techniques that I have to do, some things that I have to apply in order to get through those boards. If you don't, if you stop, if you don't get through it, it hurts really bad. Okay? I promise you. That's happened to me several times. People have broken hands, broken feet from this type of stuff. Uh, my dad joined shortly after uh, I was in it when I started getting up in rank and stuff. He said, oh, I'm going to join and he was sparring one guy, and uh, he didn't have his foot right on that first kick. He dislocated his toe. Literally, my dad. So it can happen. So I want you guys to take in, uh, turn in your Bibles, Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. We're going to read just a couple verses here, or a few, I should say. Now, try not to uh, be too long. I know we're getting, getting towards the end of our time here. It says this, Jesus walks on the water. It says, immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. While he dismissed the crowds, and after that he dismissed crowds, he went up on the mountain to pray by himself. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by the time was a long, long way away from land, and beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea. But the disciples saw him walking on the sea, and they were terrified and said, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them and saying, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said this, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus but when he, talking about Peter, when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink. And he cried out, Lord, save me. And we know the rest of the story. Jesus reached out his hand and picked him up out of the water, right? And when they came into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. So today I ask what storms are you facing in your life? There was a, they were out in the middle of the sea and the storm came up and things, the boat started to shake. What obstacles in your life are you facing? Because I believe that there's probably storms that you are facing right now. It doesn't have to be a physical storm with rain and wind. It can be financial. It can be um, your family. It can be work. It can be a lot of things. But what is the storm that you're facing in your life? And I believe that by applying these things that you can have victory. Because the first thing that we start with is faith. You have to believe that you can make it through. Just like when I have, when I'm facing that board, I have to make sure, I have to believe that I can do this, that I can make it through. Because if I don't, I won't commit and I won't get through. Right? Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2 says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. You remember Peter walking in the water when the waves got deeper and when he, he took his eyes off Jesus. When he took his eyes off Jesus, the author and finisher of his faith, what happened? The waves began to overtake him. He began to fail. 
See, we've got to have faith. But we sang it earlier. Our faith, our hope, our life, everything that we have is in Jesus. Amen? We have to keep our eyes on Him. We have to have faith in Him. We should not worry. It says Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. It is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And you know not you, and are you not more valued than they? Let me tell you something. We don't have to worry about those things. God's got it. Amen? He's got it. Stop worrying. Don't allow those storms to shake you. Don't allow those trials to cause you to question and fail. Hebrews chapter 11 says, verse 1 says this, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things unseen. Right? So, let me let me grab something real quick. Uh, do you mind handing me one of those chairs? Sorry, just any one of those chairs. Faith, I believe, goes a little bit beyond just believing. Amen? I can believe all day that that chair will hold me up. It looks structurally strong. It's made out of metal. It's got a good firm back and stuff like that. But when do I exercise my faith? When I actually sit down, faith without works is, the thing is, is we've got to exercise that faith. It's more than just believing God can. It's putting him to the test. Right? So, he said to them, because of your little faith, for truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Romans ch- chapter 10, verse 17 says this, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. You want greater faith? Get into your word. Amen? Get into your word. When trials are coming, get into your word. When it seems impossible, Get into your word. Increase your faith. Build your faith and trust in God. Amen? The second thing that you need is power. Amen? You need power to get through that. If, if I didn't have the power to get through that board, I would never make it. I'd hit it and I'd stop because I couldn't get through. Let me tell you something. When it's about our lives, who provides us the power? It's God, amen? Romans chapter, um, excuse me, I'm sorry. Luke chapter 24, verse 49 says, I'm going to send you, or I'm going to send you what my Father has promised. But stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, and you guys know the scripture verse. It says, but ye shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and ye shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and unto the ends of the earth. Amen? John chapter 14, verse 
12 through 14 says this, Verily, truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son, and you may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Amen? I will do it. That is a promise of God, right? How many of you believe Scripture? Amen? Luke chapter 10, verse 19. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. Uh, 1 John chapter 4, verse 4 says, Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Who's attacking you? The enemy. Who's got more power? God. You just got to ask him, right? Is that what we're seeing in Scripture? Our power comes from the Lord. He gives us power to overcome those obstacles in your life. When I was, <laughs> when I got up to uh, Black Belt, I had a friend uh, that was a Baptist youth pastor at the time, and he had been teaching a little school in his uh, in his youth group, a martial arts school, and he, he called me up one day. He said, hey, Rob, I need you to come over here. Um, we're going to do a demonstration at this uh, church, and uh, I want you to kind of help us with that demonstration, maybe do some board breaking and stuff. I said, yeah, I'll be happy to help. So I come over there, and I uh, stack up my boards, and I've got them all stacked up, and I'm ready to break through, and I, I break through those boards, and I'm thinking I'm pretty cool because I have four or five boards. This blue belt gets up there from his school. Blue belt, if for those that don't know, it's about halfway to black. Okay, so they're pretty decent stuff. And this kid was not much bigger than I am. He stacks up these bricks, about four or five bricks, and he puts this towel on top. I'm thinking in my head, I see him put a towel on top of him. I'm kind of making fun of him. Can you try to chop that and have a towel? Man, that, you're kind of lame, right? And I get see him standing like this. And I see him do this. Bricks. And what made it worse is he didn't go through all of them. That man cleared off the ones that he had broken through, put that towel back down, and did it again. What did I tell you? When you don't go through, it hurts. It hurts really bad. I knew he was hurting. That day I almost handed my black belt hand it to him because I figured, you know, you, you might have some brain damage. You might need that to rely on someday. <laughs> I was impressed. Sometimes we fail. Sometimes, just like Peter, we get our eyes off Jesus. And we don't make it through. That's when we got to pick ourselves back up, dust off, and do it again. Try again. Try again. Keep going. Try it again. Try it again. The final step is endurance. In order to break boards, I have to keep on going all the way through. I can't stop. If I don't make it, I will fail. And it's going to hurt. And it's going to hurt a lot. I have to make it all the way through. I can't just hit the board and stop. Right? That's the problem. Too many people quit along the way. They give up. They fail, and they live in the pain and the misery that comes with their failure. I remember a time when I was 
going to um, a, a friend's house, and he had a horse. Um, they decided to go horseback riding. I think I was about 12 at the time. It was the first time ever on a horse. And um, um, another little note about my friend and his brother, they had ADD. That will become very important in a minute. So I'm up on this horse. I'm kind of unsteady, a little nervous. He's getting a little restless, and he's starting to, you know, and I'm, oh, you got to, they're teaching me how, what to do with the reins and everything. And then we start walking along. Well, they decide they want to run. So this is where the ADD kicks in. My friend comes running up behind my horse, smacks him on the rear, and my horse takes off. And I'm scared. He goes, oh, just pull back on the reins. I'm pulling back on the reins. The horse rears up, and then takes off again. Okay? I cannot get this horse to stop. I'm scared. Thoughts are going through my mind of, you know, death and, you know, dismemberment and being stomped on and all these other things. So I see a fence. We're heading straight towards that fence. I'm thinking to myself, what is this horse going to do? Because he is full out speed running. And I can't stop him. I can't steer him. I can't do anything. So we get to this road and he slows down. Pop goes my head. I can jump off this horse. So I take my foot out of the stirrup. I'm side saddling here. I think I'm pretty cool, right? I'm side saddling. We get to the other side. He starts to pick up speed. I jump. I forget one thing. That foot is still in the stirrup. No lie. And I get drugged. And my friend catches up to him right before the fence and stops the horse. I'm drugged and I'm, praise God, I didn't get stepped on or anything. I had some bumps and bruises and that type of thing. My friend's father comes running out there because he heard the commotion. And he said, hey, hey, are you okay? I'm fine, I'm fine. He checks me out and everything's so good. And then he looks at me and he says, you got to get back on that horse. That ain't going to happen. You know, <laughs> not going to happen today. You know, uh, done that once, not going to happen. I said, no, you got to get back on the horse or you never will. I said, I can't. I'm scared. And he said, I'll tell you what, I've got, I'm going to let you ride my horse. My horse is the best horse that I've trained him personally. He is so calm, so gentle, he won't hurt you. I said, no, I can do it. I said, he goes, I'll tell you one more thing. And he goes, I'll be on the horse with you. You sit behind me, you hold on to me, and I'll get the guy the horse. He finally convinced me to do that. So I get on this horse, he's on the horse, I get on the horse behind him, and I got death grip on my friend's dad. I mean, I'm holding him, bear hugging him. I'm surprised he could breathe, okay? But not only am I death gripping him, I'm death gripping the horse. And the horse starts rearing up. And my friend says, look, what's wrong with this horse? And he's hitting the horse and trying to get him to calm down, and the horse is getting more agitated and stuff like that. And the more agitated the horse is getting, the tighter I'm gripping. But what I didn't know is I was gripping his flanks. I didn't know that was a problem, okay? And so this horse, I mean, is starting to buck, okay? And all of a sudden, my friend Zach goes, jump off, jump off. <laughs> and I jump off this horse, and the horse calms right back down, you know? <laughs> He's trying to figure out, scratching his head. He goes, where were you sitting? I, and I told him, I showed him where I was sitting. He goes, oh, that's, ex-. and he explained about the flank thing. He goes, you can't, can't grab a horse by the flanks. I mean, they, they'll do that. I do want you to know that the horse did buck for over eight seconds. So there we go. I mean, 
So rodeo. There we go. But we have to we have to endure. We have to make it through. And when we get knocked down, we have to get back up. We have to make it through. We have to see all the way through. Brother Phil, if you don't mind. It's important that you keep going. While I was in martial arts, I also ran track. And let me tell you something. They put me on the cross-country cross team. If you want to learn about endurance, join the cross-country team, okay? And uh, that taught me the most that I could ever know about endurance. But in every race, there is a finish line, right? And you are said to have finished the race when you crossed that line. What is that line for us? It says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16, it says this. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are alive and remain will be, uh, uh, and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so will we be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. Let me tell you something. That's what we need to have our eyes on. Your job here on earth is not done until that day. I'm going to tell you one, one last story. My father-in-law had emphysema from military and smoking and, and other things. And he had, um, he was getting really bad. And that's when we decided to actually leave Florida and move to back to New Mexico or back to Arizona to take care of him. That's actually where Jeremy was born. And while we were there, um, he began to witness, he had been witnessing to his neighbor again and again. And when he would witness with his neighbor, Angel, he, he was he was doing it between breaths. You know, he's having to suck in air just so that he can say the next phrase. But he felt so strongly about witnessing to his friend. And I remember when we had just moved there, I gave him this little thing called an Evangelicube that tells the, the salvation story, and I gave him that. And he began to use that to witness to his friends. This is a man that is a, close to death, yet he knew that God had called him for a purpose, and he was not going to give up, and he was going to work till the day he died. I'm going to tell you something. He led, he led his neighbor to the Lord one month before he passed. Shortly after that, his neighbor passed too. So I'm telling you, if you're here, you're breathing, God's got a call on your life, and God wants you to do. You're not finished with this race. you got to keep on going. you got to keep on going. you got to keep pressing through until you get your breakthrough. Amen? How many of you remember the story of Job? It says this in Job chapter 1, verse 13. And there was a day when the sons and his daughters were eating and drinking wine uh, at their eldest brother's house. And there came a messenger unto Job and said, The oxen were plowing, and, and the donkeys were feeding beside them, and the Sabians fell upon them and took them away. And they had slain all your servants with the edge of the sword, and I'm the only one that has escaped to tell you. While he was yet speaking, there came another and said, The fire of God has fallen from heaven and has burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them, and I am alone to escape to tell you. While he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, The Chaldeans made uh, out 
three bands and fell upon the camels and have carried them away, yea, and slain your servants with the edge of the sword, and I have escaped to tell you. And while he was yet speaking, there came another and said, Thy sons and thy daughters were eating and drinking and wine in their eldest brother's house, and behold, there came a great wind from the wilderness and smote the four corners of the house, and it fell upon the young men, and they are all dead, and I alone have escaped to tell you. You think you've got a bad day? That was a bad day for Job. That was a bad day. He lost everything. And that wasn't the end of the trials. As you read through the book of Job, he faced even more. But in Job chapter uh, chapter 13, verse 15, he makes this statement. Though he slay me, yet I will serve him. I will trust him. I will not give up. I will keep going. I will serve my living God. Amen? No matter how much life stacks against you, no matter what trials you face or how bad it looks, even when Satan kind of heats it up a little bit, Yet will I serve him. Amen. Today, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're facing. But God is greater. He will give you the power to make it through. I ask everybody to bow your heads and close your eyes. Earlier, Pastor Billy asked you guys to raise your hand if you're facing something and you need a miracle. Let me tell you something. Just about everybody in this room raised their hand saying, I need a miracle. I know you guys are facing things. This service was for you. If you want, you can come up to the altars or you can stay in your seat. This is your time, and we're going to pray for you. We're going to sing, and we're going to pray for you. But I believe that God is going to give you that breakthrough you need.